Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. Hey, welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host, as always, Chris Flaming, and I have the pleasure of welcoming Marcy Walker on the podcast. Their blue sky lending business based in Florida operates with the belief that if they put others first, then the business will take care of itself. What a novel concept. Marcy, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're going to have fun. So you have a pretty interesting history. Can you kind of tell me how you found your career and um, how the business started? It was actually somewhat of a fluke. I was actually in the auto finance business for years, and we lived up in the Washington, D.C. area. And when I moved down here, I just kind of wanted something different. And I randomly answered an ad in a newspaper for a loan officer and started doing it and loved it. I just thought it was so much fun. And um, fast forward five years later, a couple of their loan officers that I worked with, we all decided that we wanted to go open our own company, which was really strange timing because it was 2006 when the market was getting ready to turn. But we had a plan in place and kind of figured there was going to be a lot of consolidation within mortgage companies and that if we kept our destiny in our own hands, that we could make it through the tough time knowing that there was going to be light on the other side. And um, it's uh, almost... 20 years later, and uh, we're still here and doing well. So, Yeah, thriving. That's, that's awesome. Now, if you could go back in time and you could tell the younger Marcy, you could give the younger Marcy some advice. You could go back and say, here's what I know now in the future. I wish you'd know this. What do you think that that would be that you would tell them? If you're talking in regards to my business? Sure. Yeah. Probably just not sweat the small stuff. I think I used to think the most important thing was having the lowest rate, the lowest closing costs. If I lost a deal or a loan to another lender, I got devastated. And I think over the years, I realized kind of like our mission statement that if you treat people the right way and you do a good job and you give good service, that people tell their friends, their family, their coworkers, and the business just comes to you. And if you lose a deal every now and then, it's not anything to worry about that the referrals we get over the long run are really what has made our business um, and me personally successful. Yeah. If you've got a constant stream of uh, incoming people that have interest and, and you can't, it's impossible to try to figure out why someone said yes or no. I've had a lot of occasions where the people said no, and I was shocked. And then some people said yes. And I'm like, I thought that person didn't like me at all. Right? <laughs> so yeah, you can't figure that out. There's no reason to sweat the small stuff. Is there anything in particular that you really like about the business right now? Some of the aspects of the business since the meltdown and since COVID are very frustrating. Mm -hmm. But the thing I like about it is the thing I've always liked about it is I just like working with people. 
I especially enjoy working with first-time home buyers and kind of navigating them through what is a very stressful process. Even if you've bought many homes, it's still uncomfortable and stressful and just kind of being able to help people make it easy for them. I love going to my closings. A lot of realtors think that's crazy, but I you know, you go through this whole month or 45 days of craziness and to be able to sit with them there at the table, see how happy they are, get their keys and know that, you know, everything went well. And I think that's probably the highlight of this whole process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's it certainly is a bumpy road to get to that end point. <laughs> a lot of things that can happen. So what are some common misconceptions that people have when they first start working with you or, you know, with a lender or somebody who's going to represent them to find a loan? I don't know about misconceptions. I think that one thing people don't realize is how different different lenders and loan officers are. And I think people focus on the rate aspect and they'll shop multiple lenders, which I always think is a good idea, but that it's so much more than rate. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our industry that don't really know what they're doing. The barrier to entry is pretty low. And when you're buying a home, I mean, it's your biggest investment you're ever going to make. And so I think just the misconception that any loan officer or any lender is the same is um, really inaccurate. And I always tell people, you know, if you're going to shop around, I would try to avoid the big, huge online lenders because they hire very inexperienced people and um, try to find three or four good local lenders that have a lot of experience and, you know, no more than just clicking the boxes and um, taking your order because uh, a lot can go wrong and having someone, having a whole team in regards to a good realtor, a good title company and a good lender is huge when you're buying a house. Yeah, that can be the difference between a good experience and being really frustrated or, or some stuff getting overlooked, which kind of leads into my next question. Do you, do you see things that are often overlooked areas or blind, spot when it, blind spots when it comes to financing a home that the, that the borrower doesn't realize or, or isn't aware of that they have to deal with or go through? I think just how complicated it is and how... Um, in-depth the underwriting's gotten, especially if you're self-employed or have multiple properties. So again, working with someone that does their homework up front and looks at your tax returns and calculates the numbers. Um, we have many people that come through us, come to us halfway through a loan transaction where someone didn't ask the right question or didn't do their homework and they're in the middle of a contract with a closing date. And they get denied, you know, three weeks in for something that should have been, you know, looked at before the pre-approval process. Yeah, right. And just for the listeners, in case they don't know, so what is underwriting? When you when you make that statement, just pretend I'm a complete dummy, and you had to explain to me what underwriting means. What is that? So we as a loan officer, we'll pre-approve someone, we'll look at your income and your credit, and then there's multiple documents that need to be collected. And then all of that, whether you're a mortgage broker or a lender, gets submitted and gets sent to an underwriter. And they kind of dig in. They make sure that 
you know, there's nothing in the bank statements that could be a problem. They super analyze the income and they usually come back even, you know, if it's a really good loan, they'll come back and ask for multiple additional things. But most loans get sold to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac on the secondary market. And so the lender's job is to make sure that that loan is saleable, meaning that they can sell it in the secondary market and they're not going to end up getting stuck with that loan because they didn't dot their I's and cross their T's. Which I think a lot of people don't realize that they often get end up getting sold on a secondary market, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't get that because they just look at what's the name on the statement that I got from yeah. the lender. And so yeah. that's the person that I, that I borrowed the money from. Yeah. All right. So that that's a good segue. So you, we've referenced already the financial crisis that happened back 06, 07, 08. So what were some of the major lending changes that came out of that financial crisis? Because it was kind of like the Wild West, right? It was like borrowing money. Definitely the Wild West. (laughs) I mean, I I think the biggest things that were wrong with the lending environment was the no-doc, no-income verification loan. Lenders were basically lending on equity, thinking that if they end up getting the house back, it didn't matter because it was worth more than the loan. And it would Um, just keep going up. And keep going up. There was also not necessarily the best loan products. There were interest-only loans or negative amortization loans Mm -hmm. where your principal balance was actually growing instead of being paid down. So Mm -hmm. I think the combination of the assumption house prices were going to continue to go, the lack of underwriting, checking to make sure that someone could actually afford the home that they were buying and some not very smart, in my opinion, loan products that put people in a bad position in the event that prices did go down. Okay. So then, so they made a lot of changes in the industry, right? So what, what do you think were like the top, maybe one or two that helped to fix some of that? I think the biggest thing is the government got involved, but we're now Everyone needs to make sure that someone can actually afford to repay a mortgage. It's Novel called concept, ability, right? <laughs> ability to repay. Um, yeah. You know, they have they look at their income and really look at the income a lot more closer closely than it was done in the past. Um, the elimination of some of those products, especially the negative amortization product, where you're adding on to your principal instead of paying down. We don't see as many arms or interest only loans. So I think a shift just towards a conventional 15, 20, or 30-year fixed, um, better loan products, and a better evaluation of the borrower to make sure they can afford the home that they're buying. I agree. Prevents you from getting into problems. That's for sure. Okay. So where are we historically? Where are we with interest rates right now? So I get clients. I'm talking to them. They're saying, oh, I, I got to hurry up and refinance. Or, oh, it's too late because the rates are going up. Or you know, so historically, where are we? And I mean, are we in an environment where they're probably likely to continue to go up? I think so, because I think the Federal Reserve has helped artificially keep rates at an extremely low rate for a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't seen rates that we've seen in the last few years since the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go up from that and you look at the 70s and 80s where they were double digits yeah. and people didn't. People didn't think twice because that was the norm. I mean, we were also getting a lot more money on our interest or stuff in the bank, checking, savings, CDs, and all that. Mm -hmm. 
But I think even though we kind of got accustomed to rates in the twos and threes, and that's what everybody wants right now, I really think we're probably going to head back to the fours and fives, which I think if you look historically is more of a normal rate. And I think it's just a matter of everyone getting used to that because we've been so low for so long. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the direction we're heading, but still historically we're close to the norm or even maybe still a little bit on the low side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is a sizable down payment for a house or on a loan, is that, is that really important for a home loan or does it really matter whether or not they put a big down payment down? I don't think it matters. You know, I think that it depends on how much you have in the bank and you have to kind of weigh your options. Do I want to take more out of maybe something that's in my investment account that right now is earning a lot more than I'm paying in an interest rate? In that point, I would say, no, when you're getting cheap money, don't put as much down because you're taking money that you're, you could be earning more on. First-time home buyers are challenged. They don't have a lot of money. And for them to put a lot down, then they have no money left to come up with everything else that comes with home ownership. You've got bills, you've got repairs. So I think um, it's really individual, but you should put down what's comfortable for you without depleting your assets. And um, I mean, the minimum on a conventional loan is 3%. On a FHA loan, it's three and a half. So there's lots of loan products that are available that don't require 20% down. Well, and if if the main focus of the person is maybe to have the lowest payment possible, then your two options is large down payment or extend out the length of the loan, which of those two, usually if it's a large down payment or doesn't use all your cash, that might be better if the monthly payment is the most important thing. And that's why having somebody who can walk you through the options is really, really um, important. Okay. Now you mentioned this earlier. So Pretty much everyone always refers to, and you look in the newspaper, if anyone looks at the newspaper anymore, and they look at interest rates for mortgages, and usually they just put 15 and 30. So is there actually loans that are other lengths of time other than 15 or 30, Marcy? And why would they potentially consider you know, a, a shorter or a longer length loan? There absolutely are. There's 10-year loans. So again, if somebody is not concerned about a payment, but just wants to be able to pay off their mortgage um, as quickly as possible. That's a great option. There's a 20-year loan, which are not quite as popular as the 15 or the 30, but you aren't strapped with that higher 15-year payment, but you get a little lower rate than you do on the 30-year. And then we have a lot of investors that you can pick your term. And this comes in very nice when you're refinancing. So if you're, you know, 25 years left to pay and you want to refinance, you might not want to go back to another 30 years because you've already paid down five. So you can do a 25 year, a 22 year. So sometimes people really don't want to add years on to what they're borrowing. So it's nice that we have some investors that allow you to actually pick the term anywhere between 10 and 30. As Americans, we love choices. The more, the better. So they say, (laughs) (laughs) although sometimes they give them too many and they can't pick (laughs) And then they end up asking you, well, what would you do, Marcy, right? If you were me. I get asked that a lot. What would you do? (laughs) And the hard thing is everyone's goals are different. Right. Whether you want a 30-year loan because you want the lowest payment possible, or you want a 10-year loan because you want to pay off your mortgage as quick as you can and pay the least amount of interest. So again, kind of going back to why it's important to work with someone 
that has experience and knows what they're doing. So they can advise you, not just take your application and submit your loan. Okay. That's a really good lead into my next question. I feel like you're reading my mind. Okay. <laughs> so we have single originators, like, right? Where they only have one underwriter or it's one company that's doing the loan. And then you have a multiple options lender or a, a lender that can shop out or look at a lot of different options. So what is really either the difference or the advantage um, potentially to, to going that route? Um, and that for me is kind of easy to answer because I've worked in both scenarios. Mm-hmm. I worked for a direct lender where we had in-house underwriting and one product. And um, I found that limiting. And sometimes, you know, our rates wouldn't be the best and it, it, we'd get from management, sorry, sell your service, don't sell rates. Or if something goes wrong with the loan and it gets turned down, you have no options. So for me, when we set up our company, we set it up as a brokerage where we have multiple investors. And it has a lot of advantages, in my opinion. Uh, The first being that I can actually shop rates for the borrower. I have lots of different lenders. So instead of them having to go online and look at a bunch of lenders, I can do that for them. But each one also has, there's certain guidelines that are kind of general, but each lender has their own specifics and overlays to those guidelines. So we have many instances where a loan will get turned down at one lender for a particular reason. And we right then and there can send it to another lender and usually still be able to close within their closing date. So that's a, bit, that's a big advantage, especially if they get turned out with one and, and not with another, because then you still get them to a solution. Yeah. And, and I, I find we have products that maybe some banks don't have that are a little specialized. Um, and I think just having as many products and as many options is better for the consumer. Yeah, absolutely agree. Okay. So where do you see a compelling reason to refinance often? Like under what condition? Because we both we both know there's some good reasons to do it in situations, and then there's some not good reasons. Um, so where do you see it as where it's really compelling or it would be helpful? Well, over the last few years, it made sense for the majority of people to refinance simply because rates were so low and they were able to lower their payment. And I will normally do an analysis and say, you know, if you're going from a 30-year loan to another 30-year loan just to lower your rate, here are your closing costs, and this is how long it's going to take you to recoup those closing costs and interest savings. But you also have to think about how long you're going to be in the house. If you're only going to be in your house for two or three years, especially in Florida where closing costs are extremely high, is it really worth it to pay all those closing costs by the time you sell your house, you're kind of at a break-even point. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for some people to shorten their term if they're going to be in their house for a while. With the lower term mortgages, if you go to a 10 or 15, you're paying much more principal up front. If you look at the total interest that you'll pay over the life of the loan, it's so much lower. So if that's your goal and you're comfortable with a higher payment, We've been taking a lot of people that are in 30-year loans and taking them down to 15-year loans. Again, with rates so low, their payment might go up a little bit, but not to the point that it's uncomfortable. Um, And I think the really big reason that we're, even though rates have ticked up, we're still seeing quite a few people that are pulling equity out of their house. With housing prices going up so much, some people are not in a position to move, even though they make 
might make money on their home. They can't afford what homes are going for right now. So they're taking advantage of their equity and remodeling their kitchens, putting a new roof on. We also see people that are paying off debt, you know, really high interest rate credit cards. When you can roll that into a new loan, if you've got the equity to do that, and instead of paying two, 3000 a month, you're now paying $1,000 a month on a fixed low rate mortgage. So I think there's lots of reasons to refinance as rates go up. I think the two we're going to see the most of is debt consolidation and um, pulling the equity out to do improvements in the home. Okay. All right. So investing back in the home, if they're going to stay in it, or maybe they're going to sell it in a while. Okay. So without sharing any you know, personal or confidential info, can you give me an example of maybe a recent situation where you were able to really help out somebody who's either seeking a new home purchase loan or maybe a refinance? Yeah, I mean, kind of going back to that debt consolidation point, Mm -hmm. I recently had a client that got themselves into awful credit card debt during COVID. He was laid off for a while, had his hours cut and was really struggling and just ran all of his credit cards up. And I mean, when I calculated what his monthly outlay was, he was struggling and making the minimum payments on his credit card with extremely high interest rates. So we refinanced all of it. He had tons of equity in his house. Um, He didn't owe a lot and the house was worth a lot. We rolled that all in and we ended up saving him between two and $3,000 a month. That's substantial. That's like life changing. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, just all of a sudden now he's got the freedom to, breathe and to hopefully maybe take some of that money he was paying on bills and actually start investing and saving. Well, it's a release of stress and lift of the burden. Um, You can almost see it in their, like their posture and stuff, you know, I mean, in their face and how they're acting. Let's change directions a little bit. So I want to ask you a question. What would you say thus far is your biggest life accomplishment? This could be personally or professionally, other than our friendship. (laughs) What is your biggest life accomplishment? Oh, gosh. The biggest? I would say I have one personally and one professionally. That's fine. That's great. Personally, it would be my son. We have one teenager, and um, I didn't know if I was going to be cut out to be a mother. And um, it's been definitely harder than anything I've done in my life. I think he's turned out to be a pretty good kid with good morals and a good person. And um, it's never easy, but I'm proud of him and I think we're doing the best we can. So I would say that's my biggest personal okay. All right. And the biggest professional one is just having this company. I was a little scared to go out on my own and open my own business and be self-employed. And we opened this business with an amazing group of people and just running a small business with a kind of family environment um, and having great people to work with and providing them an environment that's not necessarily the corporate world where we let people bring their dogs into the office. And if they want to take time off, we're just a very casual environment. And I mean, part of our, you know, point of opening this company would just to not only do the right thing for our clients, but to do the right thing for our employees and hope everyone you know, loves where they work and has a good life. 
Yeah, they have that work-life balance. Or when you leave work, you can actually leave work. So physically, <laughs> mentally, you know, you're checked out and it's you don't have this pressure to, you know, check your phone. Do I have emails from work that I have to... I, Which is really hard in this business because realtors work nights right. and weekends. So yeah. we somewhat have to do that. But having a balance is huge. And we want our, our everyone that works here to have that. Okay. So outside of your business, is there something that you are passionate about personally? There are a lot of things I enjoy doing. I don't know if there's one particular thing I'm passionate about. I love the beach. I love that we live close to the beach. Um, If I could spend every weekend on the beach, I would do it. I really have enjoyed my son's sporting career as he's switch from baseball to soccer and football. Um, I absolutely love going and watching him play. I love the camaraderie we've over the years had with our friends we've met through his various sports. So um, some people think I'm crazy that every weekend we're at the soccer fields or we've let him play two sports at one time, but nothing makes me happier than going out and watching him play and um everything he's gained from that, from great friends and learning to respect coaches and um, good work, work ethic on the field. I'm right there with you, Marcy. <laughs> All right. I'm so, not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're of like mine. Okay. So let's switch back uh, from a business standpoint, look into the future. What do you kind of see as the biggest opportunity for the business going forward? Opportunity. I'm not really sure because I think there's more obstacles right now than there are opportunities with interest rates rising and home prices going through the roof. I am concerned that your average middle-class person or your first-time home buyers are going to really have a hard time getting into a house, especially in a market where we see so many cash buyers that are coming in willing to pay over asking price with no contingencies, no inspections. And it kind of breaks my heart for these people that are just trying to get into a starter home and they make offer after offer. And right now the sellers have the opportunity to pick and choose those offers. And um, so I'm really hoping that we see a little bit of a normalization of not necessarily, you know, a crash, but just for housing prices stay affordable so your average person can buy a home. Yeah, they, I've heard it said that we're almost like the, the new California with like people relocating and the prices going up on the housing where a lot of people are priced out. I have the same concern with people. It's going to be interesting to see what takes place if we have a correction in the real estate market. Not a crash like you said, but a correction. And then our interest rates end up being at that point where people are going to be. Now, if people wanted to learn more about you or Blue Sky or contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? Either. I mean, I'd always suggest people go to our website Mm -hmm. um, just to get a feel for what our company is about, because I think it's pretty true to who we are. But call me. I'm available most 24-7. I mean, I, again, prefer to work during business hours, but some people I know can't talk during the day uh, based on their jobs. But um, I can be reached 
I don't, do you want me to put my contact? We do the, let's do the website. That would be the best place to start. The website is www.blueskyloans.com and sky has an E. So it's B-L-U-E-S-K-Y-E-L-O-A-N-S.com. And my office number is 941-256-8420. And um, I'm always happy to talk to someone, even if it's just for advice, if someone's working with another lender and they're not sure if they're getting a good deal, I'm more than happy just to consult with them. Fantastic. Great. Yeah. Through education that helps people and they remember that, even if you didn't have anything that you benefited from in the initial phase. So, all right. That's like going back to that whole thing. If you help people, then the business will take care of itself. Marcy Litton, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. This has been very informative. Thanks for walking us through some of those different terms and giving your opinion on the state of the market and when it's a good idea to to do some refinancing. Those are things I really wanted to cover would be very helpful for our listeners. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in and watching and listening to Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by OPF Advisors, where we are raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. Take care. Be well. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.